great, great, great. <laughs> I so the only thing that I remember about the the corrupted thing that I fully edited the entire episode, right? And then the only thing that I remember us saying right at the beginning was, well, at least Audacity has our back and <laughs> will never go wrong. <laughs> and, and then, and then it corrupts. <laughs> it just decided that it didn't want us to live, huh? Uh, it was also like, this was like the worst episode to have to reread. <laughs> <laughs> this was the bummer episode. <laughs> but it was like, if it had been the one before this, we would have been living large and reliving the like funniest moments that have happened. The that goes to the, the Hugo really did just go. Mm, I don't think that you should be allowed to enjoy the holiday period and uh, have a a festive New Year. You should just suffer again. <laughs> so um, yeah, do you feel ready to go into this episode? Yeah, I feel like we're in it. <laughs> Okay, great. I do Welcome feel... to Brad and Barrick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Welcome to Brad and Barricades, a Lewis podcast. My name is Nemo Martin. I am your host, and I use they them pronouns. And uh, I am completely obsessed, as our household is obsessed with the, the world's greatest strongman. So that's literally all I've been thinking about for the last month at this point. So. Yeah. Uh, this is Stevie. She, the pronouns, primary researcher. Yeah, we had over the Christmas period. Nemo was, of course, staying with me and my wife. How are we meant to do Christmases <laughs> any other way? And we got big into world's strongest man because why not? <laughs> and I was telling my boss that at work today, and he was like, "Oh, you know, back when I was like a fashion designer and not a fetish fashion designer, I made a costume for one of the guys." And the audible gasp and the volume with which I was like which man oh my god which man was it I've got his name written down I was like we know some of the characters but I'm not very good at names so I can only remember Kazmaias <laughs> Dave Golder Dave Golder I don't think that was one of our personalities I don't think he was one of our best boys but we haven't watched every archival video about World's Strongest Man, only most of them. So maybe he yeah. is in there and there's still things to learn. Well, now I know to go to your boss for when I make the inevitable uh, theatre version of the show. Do you think it's this guy, Dave Golder, a singer, guitarist, dry stone wall builder, mountain climber, railway fireman, Ooh. humorist and composer? Does he, in his in his Strongest Man days... He had very bleached blonde hair, apparently. He left Railway in 1961 and began mountaineering while recording his first folk <laughs> records. Who is this other man, though? <laughs> Progressing in time to collections of Railway songs. Who is this? <laughs> oh my god. We've stumbled across a whole nother man. Yeah. Oh, G- Gowder. G-A-U-D-E-R. Big Dave, from World's Strongest Man to Accidental Social Entrepreneur. Oh, Gowder, Strongest Man, Strong Man. What's he look like? Yeah, that looks like the guy. Big Dave. <laughs> well, we know to look out for him when we're watching our next archival videos. Our claim to fame. So, uh, yeah, that was our Christmas period. <laughs> <laughs> but it did, of course, have us thinking of Flamers and the Jean Valjean AU 
Yeah. Of our show. I can't remember what the thing was. Like, oh, because was it Kazmaier who who was like did an illegal move in one of the events in Iceland? Like he he moved his hands to one too many times, and the referee was like, "Oh, that's that's illegal." And he um, what's it called? Disqualified. Disqualified. It could have been him. If Sarah was in the room, she could definitely confirm for us because we don't want to besmirch <laughs> the wrong man's reputation. <laughs> but yeah, so this is that that happened to Jean Valjean and he had to leave in shame for a bit, but then Bishop Muriel <laughs> becomes his trainer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or that like um it's Javert who who thinks that he sees that it's Jean Valjean who's like done this illegal thing, but actually he was doing something else. I don't know what, but he did something else and, and, but Javert's not having any of it. And then like 10 years, like, like Jean Valjean is like, has to leave the sport in shame and then like comes back 15 <laughs> years later <laughs> under a different name. And the referee is like, I would recognize those <laughs> muscles anywhere. <laughs> he actually could come back as like, it works so well for the, Wow, he was seventy, but he looked forty. Cause there was <laughs> there was a guy who was like, it was his retirement year, but he'd come yeah. back after years, and he was like almost sixty. He was so yeah. strong, and he was like so taut as well. Yeah. So this is the only that looking at that man. That's the only time I've been like, okay, Victor Hugo, <laughs> maybe your OC is not completely a magical girl like this man's out here doing it <laughs> i wish i could remember his name it was something like very boring like ben something or <gasps> michael something good or... mark mark felix mark felix yeah mark felix is definitely head canon of uh jean valjean <gasps> when you do the play we cast him oh my god yes because he's retired now so he can do stuff <laughs> he's got other free than... time <laughs> We're going to oh do it now. God. While he's still that taut. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. And like, you know, there's like props on stage of like carts and stuff. But he's like, no, you've got to put the actual barrels in. <laughs> I want to be lifting a real cart. And the extras <laughs> are Playboy bunnies in like the skimpiest peasant outfit you've ever seen. Yes. In the cart. <laughs> <laughs> oh. If you can't tell, we're like having a lot of fun with this because I don't, <laughs> don't know. Don't want to go into the episode. <laughs> this is my. I, I'd read these chapters once for the first run at this episode, a second time when I thought we were going to record last week, and then today I was like, "Do I reread it?" And I was like, "I can't." <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be through the lens of I read it properly once. I skimmed it a second time, and now we're going <laughs> off my memory, baby. <laughs> baby, let's go. The best way to record. <laughs> so we left with Javert getting caught, and Gavroche is like, "Ha ha ha! I fucking knew it. This would this whole operation would be a shambles without me." Mm. And Angelus is like, "No, <laughs> I, I have this all in hand." That I think we did leave on quite a jovial note. The tragic description we have embarked on would not be complete. The reader would not see an accurate and true relief of those great moments if we were to admit our description 
of an epic and savage horror that occurred almost directly after Gavroche's departure. Mm. So, basically, everyone is, like, hanging about. Some of them are doing their jobs. We've got those men with their dainty fingers making bandages, linen bandages. Yes. No, yes, yeah. And we've got people making cartridges. Like, it's dark. You know, there's just, like, people kind of doing jobs, but also hanging about the barricade prepping some people are drinking and it might not even be grand hair <laughs> and there's this one guy named or nicknamed le Kabuk, mm-hmm. who's really encouraging all the drinking like yeah lads another shot but if you paid attention to him he's not actually drinking that much himself mm. and he decides once he's sort of got everyone going is like oh comrades you know what we need we need to be firing out of this house. And the drinkers are like, oh, well, you know, but the house is shut up and they don't want to open the door. And this is the revolution, but like, let's not be dickheads, I guess. And he's like, no, we got to knocks on the door a couple of times until eventually an old man, the porter comes to the door and is like, yeah, hello. I'm not, we're not letting people in to shoot for our windows. Like, no, thank you. There's no way. And Le Quebec aims his gun at the porter to be like, are you going to fucking open this door? He's like, no, sir, no, sir. But it's so dark, the porter can't see that there is a weapon trained on him. Hmm. And it's as he's saying, I said no, my good, that the shot was fired. The bullet went in under his chin, passed through his jugular and out the back of his neck. And he collapses without even a sigh. And as Le Quebec's like, yeah... He'd hardly got out a word when a hand laid on his shoulder with the weight of an eagle's talon and he heard a voice saying, on your knees. And he turns around and the cold white face of Anjolas is behind him holding a pistol. Mm. And even though this is like a slight young man, as we know, with like no beard, very pretty (laughs) baby face, cherry lips of 20 something. And this and Lekubek is this like thick set housebreaker. He is brought to his knees with just like this terrifying energy that Anjolas has. Mm. There's something of ancient Themis about him. Uh, his flaring nostrils, downcast eyes, gave him the implacable Greek profile. Uh, this expression of wrath and chastity. <laughs> Okay. This terrifying chastity of his face mm. that seems appropriate to ancient justice. Everyone mm. at the barricade comes running. They're in a circle, but like at a distance, like, oh fuck, like what what is this? What's what's gonna go down? And before Lacobert can even attempt to struggle, and he's immediately actually trembling, Angelus is like, prepare yourself with prayer or reflection. You've got one minute. I wonder if Chast- I'm still I'm still hung up on chastity. I wonder <laughs> if it is because like the the upset I guess is virility and on the current of virility is that kind of like very hot passion that is like unthinking. Mm. Whereas the chastity is a very like the connotations kind of being of the like cold thoughtfulness. Yeah. So you're not supposed to be like Andreas like he hasn't lost his shit here. He is very, very much like in control of everything that he is doing. Yeah, and especially if the atmosphere that Lacoubec was trying to get around him of everyone like cavorting, getting them drunk to I don't know make make it 
easier for them to go along with him to suddenly mm. have the most stone cold sober man that probably exists mm. makes yeah. it even easier for Enjolas to just be like you're gonna fucking listening to me Mm-mm-mm. and he, he's like so stone cold terrifying the murderer is like shouting for mercy mumbling oaths and Enjolas just has his eye on the pocket watch mm. and then the second the minute goes down puts it in his pocket grabs Lacobec by the hair, puts the pistol to his ear, and gunshot his head. Ooh. He just like get, he it really he just kills a dude. He just it really goes from in the one before where it's like, Wow, what are you gonna fucking do without Gavrash? Like you know, he's here to do a job, but like it was we were having fun with it to just like, oh this bitch could not mean more business. <laughs> yeah. And I and like the fact that we <laughs> I've had so little about him apart from just like kind of being a little bit bitchy to Grantaire and stuff. And then he's like, anyway, you shall not disobey the rules or the ethos of this barricade. Bang. I have no time for you. Yeah. I guess it's like, Grantaire, if he really hated you, you would be gone. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) Well, not even just like, not even, not in a... He'd have fucking sniped you, although there's that. <laughs> but, like, he's been quite cold with Rontaire. But he hasn't shot him point blank in the head. <laughs> but the energy... Which means that he loves him. <laughs> the energy hasn't been, like, so intense that everyone around him is, like, shaking in their boots. Yeah, and I, and I guess there's a certain... If Gontair was sober enough to see what had just happened, you, I can 100% bet that he would be so turned on by this. Yeah. <laughs> No doubt. Yeah, so on Jolas. Oh, he's so fucking stone cold. Like, I, I kind of wish that... I don't think this is in any of the films or musicals we've seen, right? No, not... No, not this that is, I know of. I guess it doesn't... I don't. I guess it doesn't go with the, like... When there's, like, those modern retellings of the barricade and stuff and we're like, oh, we should revolt and we should pity these boys. Mm. The fact, like... I guess, like, even though... <laughs> We're going to get into, the, you know, Victor Hugo and his flip-flopping, like, <laughs> we should have revolution, but, like, only how I say it. And it should never be violent, except sometimes it really does need to be violent, but, like, you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, they're doing a revolution, and, you know, the, the musical is willing to portray that as, like, it's sad, but, like, they're kind of heroic about it. Mm-hmm. But I guess to show him, be, like, willing to what seems very sudden and, I guess, like, cold. Mm. Maybe doesn't fit with what we would... I don't even know if it's Victor Hugo's time, but, like, our modern sensibility, you know, where people are like, oh, you can protest, but, like, you shouldn't get violent about it. Like, that that still gets bandied around. Yeah. So maybe they they really wouldn't want to show him like this, but Mm. it's, like, so powerful. And he's just, like, throw that out. Like, not even throw him out, it's like, throw that Mm. out, telling people Mm. to get rid of the corpse. Mm. And he's very pensive, and he's got this pervading, awesome serenity. He, there's just like, everyone is just like in silence and awe and kind of terror of him, I think. And he's like, Mm. citizens, what that man did is dreadful, and what I have done is terrible. Mm. He shot someone, and that is why I killed him. And I had to do that. Because insurrection must have its discipline. Assassination is even more of a crime here than elsewhere because we are under the gaze of the revolution. Mm. Uh, 
We are the priests of the Republic, and there must be no possible cause for denigration of our struggle. So, mm. like, we can't have people pointing to our revolution and, like, and our actions and making us out, I guess, to be just, like, a murdering, cavorting rabble. Mm. We, it needs to be shown how fucking serious we are, and I can't have someone around who is going to use this for their own means, I guess, is kind of what I'm... Mm take from him here yeah and that like this isn't the time for individual vainglory this is about like we are here a community and we have to be working together in order to sort through things this isn't a time to gallivant and just do vigilante justice justice in scare quotes because that's not what that guy yeah. was doing yeah <laughs> yeah like we're doing this for france and its people so don't mm. fucking do that when that old mm. man is one of the people that we're doing this for. Yeah, yeah. And for himself, he's like, you know, I I was obliged to do what I've done, but I abhor it and I will myself will be judged for it. And I will mm. sentence myself after this is over. Mm. And everyone listening shudders at that and Combefer's like, we'll share your fate. And he's like, so be it. Mm. <laughs> one word more. And Executing this man, I've obeyed necessity. But necessity is a monster of the old world. Because uh, he's like, oh, we won't need things like this one day. <laughs> In the future, there will be neither darkness nor thunderbolts, neither savage ignorance nor bloody re retaliation. There will be no more Satan. But in a world where there is no more Satan, there will be no more... Angel Michael, so like mm. when there's no longer people who do things like Le Quebec just did, we won't mm. need an avenging angel or mm. angel of justice like Michael, mm. like Angelus just was. And he t talks a lot about love, which the future belongs to, and is like the day will come and there will be harmony and light and joy. It will come. And it will come. And that's what we're going to die for. And you're like, oh. <laughs> It wasn't in 2023, but maybe it'll be in 2024. <laughs> uh, so then he's just still as marble. He fixes his gaze, like makes eye contact with all of them. And everyone there is definitely feeling some kind of way. <laughs> yeah, looking at this grave young man, executioner and priest of crystalline light and also of adamantine rock. Hmm. And then we get the... Let, let us just say me Victor Hugo <laughs> after the event when the bodies were in the morgue and searched a police agent's identity card was found on Le Quebec <laughs> the author of this book held it in his own hands we would also add that it th this could just be a strange coincidence but there is this police tradition we think that Le Quebec was Clacousseau so yeah, that tradition of the police use it because they'd already did they was Lacko back in back in jail? I can't recall. But you know, there was like a bit of that sort of police relationship with like really well known criminals. Sort mm -hmm. of so doing that sort of like, oh, we are undercover agent. I'm sure they paid him to come in and stir shit mm. up and make the make the rebellion what it didn't want to be. 
it's so annoying yeah but it was happening then and it's still happening now uh, yeah. i like it's so annoying <laughs> it's a lot of course of course it's a tactic that's still being used that they're still like every single time that someone incites violence at a protest that's still the police doing it and it's like how do we help it ain't broke don't fucking fix it i guess we're like <laughs> yeah. well it works so well in blame is <laughs> yeah i mean at this point Oh my god! It is. It would be interesting though to see like how that would get adapted in the in twenty twenty four because like Hugo is taking the very like very strong stance that Andreas's action was like correct. Like he is the divine angel mm. Michael, right? Like he is correct to have killed this dissenter at the barricade or the agitator. Yeah. And he didn't even know that this person was an undercover police officer or someone who was like that kind of thing. Like. And, and and as you say, there is no, there's no adaptation where it's like, oh yeah, and then Andreas like straight up kills a cop. But <laughs> 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 like, yeah, like how would that get treated? But the media would, people would just think that it was like you know a 21st century person like adding that in to mm. be like, oh, a cameras. Well, I don't know. I mean, they are barricade. I don't know. It's slightly more complicated than this, but. Yeah, when you were talking earlier about like adaptations, especially the musical, and I was thinking about how in one of the songs in Turning, the like women go, they were children, never held a gun. <laughs> I'm like, that kind of infantilization like really takes the teeth out of the fact that Andras was like, I know what kind of ethics are going to be on my barricades, and the kind mm. of ethics are you do shit, you find out what the consequences yeah. are. I think in a modern one. I think they wouldn't have him kill him. Mm. I think they would think we wouldn't be able to see him in the same way. Yeah. So I think it would be like, and would, I don't know if it would be as on the nose. I think even Lacuso like, wouldn't, Lacubec, sorry, mm. maybe wouldn't have killed the old man. I think he would have like grievously bodily harmed him because mm. that's the thing that that happens. And then Enjolas would just have to like toss him out. Mm. I don't know, it'd be like, go the fuck home, like, you're not a part of this, and I won't have you represent us and what we think, like, you are the opposite. He would just have, if it was really modern, he'd have to do a fucking TikTok about it, I guess. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) But he'd be very like, look, in the interest of, like, I fucking care about how, about this and what people think about what's going on, I am going to tell you that this just happened, and I am actually taking some responsibility for having let this man be on my side of the barricade but this happened and we're not fucking allowing this if you see this man try and join your barricade kick him out blah 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 blah. social media social media like we're ready to get in that writer's room (laughs) hello guys Uh, just wanted to do a quick update and say (laughs) but like i think that would be how a really modern adaptation of this moment would go yeah and i think like you know i think it's also quite like even though hugo does do a like I think it's important to cut away right now and assure everyone that this was a police officer. Part of me is like, oh, like instinctually, you know, in a modern day adaptation, you'd show that like, you know, the barricade boys would find the identity card or something and be like, oh, he was a cop, like he wasn't one of us kind of thing. But I think it's actually like the fact that Andreas does this thinking that he is one of his own men rather than like thinking that he is an outsider, like interloper kind of thing. That's also something that wouldn't be kept in, I think 
which should be, um, that even if it was somebody, one of the barricade boys, like say it was Kufarek or something, that Andras wouldn't have treated him differently. Yeah. Ah. Uh... The branching versions, because I feel like in this TikTokification uh, one, yeah, he would just be like, he would just do his call out thing of like, and this is the guy, don't fucking let him join your thing. And I don't want to see any media sites trying to interview this guy as if he represents our cause, blah, 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 blah. Mm. And then it would show the like, you know, when it's social media things popping up on screen and people doing like, (laughs) wow, can you believe? And like reacting or whatever. And then it's through that that somebody else like Google images, like whatever it is. Is like, oh my god, and it turns out this guy's actually a cop, blah blah blah, and like all that stuff happening. <laughs> and whether or not Angelus then does a follow up post. And I feel like he'd be like, I said what I needed to say, and I'm not wasting any more time on this. Yeah. But that's what Angelus would actually say. I don't know what, if we would go to whatever fucking studio and like, this is our version of Lamez, and then the studio notes would be like, no, and then he does another thing, and he's not really Angelus. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The scene and our characters would be taken from our hands, but I guess we also do that to Victor Hugo like every day, so. Yes, yeah, that's true. Anyway. <laughs> All this to say, a very. Yeah, a very intense scene to have ended the year on and then have to start the year on again. <laughs> <laughs> but ending my 23 into 24 experience. <laughs> this man's death really just like being the transition. At the end of this scene, uh, everyone, the whole rebel group, they're still under a blanket of shock of this tragic <laughs> case, so swiftly investigated and so swiftly concluded, when Kufrak sees on the barricade the slip of a young man who had been asking about Marius earlier in the day. Mm. And that young man has come to join the insurgents. Book 13! God fucking <laughs> damn it! <laughs> Marius enters into darkness. <laughs> I thought we did that. I did that exact thing last time. I remember that, but I forgot that I did it until you. <laughs> I went book thirteen. Woo! Marius enters. Oh damn it! <laughs> Even doing the rereading, I was like getting re angry at the exact same parts. <laughs> so we dive straight in. <sighs> Marius wanted to die and the opportunity presented itself. Oh my god, yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> this was the us having to do the caveats of like, at no point are we making fun of people who are going through suicidal isolation. Yeah. Nothing we are about to say has anything to do with anything, it's just that we fucking hate Marius. Yeah. I can't remember how we worded it. I'm sure it was better than this, but... No, it wasn't. Like, I, I, when I was editing it, I was like, I should probably have made that a little bit clearer. I think we hedged around it a bit more. I wouldn't say any of these things are a real person or think about them as a real person, but Marius needs to kill himself. Yeah. Like, <laughs> in this chat. <laughs> and he's not a real person, so that's fine. <laughs> so, Marius. Yeah. It's because he's like, oh... Because that's gone. I guess there's literally nothing else. It And it, what, what it is. <laughs> I'll get into the fucking chapter in a second. <laughs> Maybe this should come after the chapter. 2024, <laughs> back on our chaos. <laughs> it's what grinds my gears about it. And makes us talk about Marius in this way, even though he's like going through something. Is 
because, and I guess this isn't Marius' fault that he's adapted like this, <laughs> except for Victor Hugo made him the fucking hero of this fucking thing. Well, not mm-hmm. maybe not the hero, but he gets to survive it, and that says something about him. Well, in like in like all of the adaptations and stuff, he's definitely the hero. Like he's hundred percent seen as like the the guy. Like when he brings the torch to the barrel and stuff, like he's uh, he's a main boy. Stevie. There are bits later that really make me angry, but we can carry on. <laughs> so what, this is just me trying to justify how we're about to talk about this boy. It was like, yeah, he's always some main boy and he always really mm. cares about the fucking cause. And yeah. don't ask me what we were fighting for because I'll cry about it. And you're like, he literally, even at this point, I think this is what we were saying. You're like, yeah. okay, Cosette's gone. So he's like, oh, what do I have to live for? My brothers and the things we believe in and my beliefs. Like, yeah, maybe I don't have my true love anymore. But like, mm. if I have nothing else, I'm going to go. If I can't stand for myself, I will go stand <laughs> for what my brothers yeah. stand for. Yeah. And it, it even at this point where he could... He could think that, and I would be like, you know what, Marius, finally. He's like, no, I'm literally only going, not because I care about any of the shit you have been teaching me about for however many years, and this thing that's really important to all you guys, and if nothing's important to me, I'll at least care about what's important to you. He's like, no, I'm only going to go so that I can die. So fucking die, man. You know, the fucking conviction to get killed. <laughs> And and like when you were saying of like oh. like the first thing in the musical that you see of him right is that he is like uh advocating for like education or like he is with Andras they are peers yeah. they're like standing together and doing that and it's like when have you ever <laughs> like he's his fucking second <laughs> yeah like you haven't even worked a day in your fucking life like if you saw them together like like some of their lines and stuff it's like not even the Marius's Andras is second it's that they are to get like they are like there's no leadership model they are there together doing this work and I'm like who is that <laughs> it's not him it's not Marius <sighs> so as if anyone who's been listening to this podcast isn't like expecting us to talk about him this way but we're still like let me assure you it's only because it's this one particular boy <laughs> so yeah he's like overcome by the bleak fancies of despair he only has one desire now to make a spend- speedy end of it all so he sets off because he's just been You've told- got a fucking gun, Marius. <laughs> well, yeah, this is what it reminds us. Like, he just so happened to be armed. Like, don't know why. I just, like, happened to pick up Javert's fucking gun. Put it to your fucking head. Come on. <laughs> when then. I left the house today. Uh, <laughs> and in case we forget, it's that some other random boy that we don't know came to be like, your lads at the barricade are asking, are you, are you coming? <laughs> and that's how he knows that he needs to go because he doesn't know from like going to any of the meetings or anything. No. And he wasn't at brunch because <laughs> he slept. He's not it. even on the Google calendar. <laughs> so, yeah, he's like, okay, I'm going. And as he's traveling through Paris, this is how we get the first sort of view of what this particular rebellion. Mm. I- <sighs> I know Victor Hugo was like, let me teach you the difference between 
insurrection and rebellion. And then I swear halfway through, he changed his mind. And we went, bet, we weren't listening, so... <laughs> so, what, rebellion? Is that what we calling it? Rebellion? Well, when you were talking about Andres earlier, you did use insurrection. Well, let's decide right here and now so I can <laughs> stop feeling so uncertain and changing which one I use. What sounds better? Insurrection. Okay. So, insurrection. So we're getting this first sort of view. He's walking through Paris, and the first sort of, like, area he's in, it's very much how Victor Hugo described earlier, where he's like, ooh, there's nothing like a spot of insurrection in Paris. Like, gunshots down one road, but we're still, like, at the barbershop and, like, having our little tea cakes next door. Like, that's just the Parisian spirit. So, like, the first area, Mm -hmm. there really is, like, the shops are open, everyone's out and about. He cuts into the next area, the next boulevard. Some things are closed, but, like, shopkeepers are still outside, like, chatting with each other in the street. There's, like, some windows lit up, but not all of them. Proceed into the next area along, and there's fewer lights in the windows. Everything's shut up, no chatting in the doorways. The streets are becoming darker. And at the same time, the crowds are getting denser, so we're getting more of the unrest, like people sort of out, but like not really certain what's happening, or what is going to happen. No one could be Mm. seen speaking in this throng, and yet arising from it is this deep, subdued murmur, so it's like, this is where people are like, okay, some fucking shit is gonna be going down, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then, close to these big, grumbling crowds a bit further in are these assemblies these sinister looking groups that amid the coming and goings were like stones and flowing waters so i think the assemblies is that assemblies of probably the the guards Mm. i believe that sounds like it could be the thing (laughs) Mm. and then even further in the crowd is then stationary because Mm. they that's where it's like coming up to these big groups of soldiers and it's just like it keeps getting darker the further in you're getting Mm. and the traffic ceases the crowd yeah the crowd ended and the army began and that's why like here is where it's like is the most tense Mm. but marius had the will of a man who'd given up hope so somehow he just manages to get through all of these crowds and the troops uh-huh. and the makeshift wow. camps. He's just like slipping past patrols, avoiding the uh-huh. sentries. It's like he's disassociated so hard that other people can't even perceive him. Like he's not home. He's just like I um instead of him like slinking about, I'm fully imagining him just like boldly walking through everyone, and it's just so bold. Everyone's like, I guess he's meant to do that. <laughs> Oh my god. So in this manner he reaches the other side of the troop lines. He's literally he's like fully walked through all of the troops. Mm-hmm. And in this area it's there's not one passerby, not even a soldier, there's no light. It's just lonely silence, darkness, penetrating chill. And he keeps going. One person passes him by, but they're running so quick that you can't even tell like what their gender is. Is it more than one person? Who knows? They're gone before you can even notice. He's <laughs> Victor Hugo went, ah, singular they them and <laughs> plural they them. <laughs> In this like purposeful but meandering and not really with it. He's just like doing it. Manner. <laughs> he reaches this first obstacle in the dark and he's reaching out with his hands. Like it, there's not no light. No one wants to show that they're home this far into where it's all kicking off. 
and feeling about, he realises it's an overturned cart because mm. his foot recognises puddles in the... How does that help him? <laughs> <laughs> Will his feet also recognise puzzles? <laughs> Separate from his hands recognising the cart, I guess. And there's a skeleton barricade here that's been abandoned. Mm. So in the dark, he clambers over it and like feels his way around. Getting into the next little area beyond this... Uh, skeleton of a barricade there's something white in front of him and as he draws nearer it's a horse <laughs> the horses that bust away had unhitched earlier and hell yeah the horses were just like i don't fucking know what's going on so they just kind of stopped here <laughs> with the patient weary patience of brute beasts that no more understand the actions of man than man understands the actions of providence so no one has a fucking clue what's happening I don't know about you, but ever since I was a child or a kid on the de- on the internet, every time I imagine a horse now, I imagine the unicorn, the Charlie, Charlie unicorn, Charlie <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> unicorn. <laughs> and like, er- especially white horses mm-hmm. just really evokes that like, I'm a little pluridon, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> like very powerful, evocative imagery of a, a white horse. <laughs> You're going to die, Marius. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, Marius, Yay! I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> There's our self-insert characters in our production. <laughs> We're the two horses. <laughs> Only Marius can see. We've just got the most like gormless faces, and we just like he could just hear us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that wasn't what I was picturing, but now it is. <laughs> <laughs> and then he leaves these horses behind. He's walking along another street. And he hears a gunshot from who knows where. He's fired mm-hmm. at random. Was it at random? <laughs> because it comes very close to hitting Marius. <laughs> Why, take the shot, Piglet. <laughs> take the shot. It whistles so close by him. It goes through <gasps> a brass shaving dish hanging above his head. Like, oh, so close. We could have been free. <laughs> that shaving dish with a hole can still be seen on that street. <laughs> oh my god. But this <sighs> gunshot was a sign of life. So he's like, okay. My trap for Marius is like, <laughs> set up these horses that he's like having to stand near them and is like, oh, why are there horses? And then shoot him while he's distracted <laughs> by them. He presses on. You missed Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and then we're into the chapter that, like, I thought about so much the beginning of this, like, have even (laughs) spoke to my wife about it before I realized I was going to have to read it again. An owl's view of Paris. (laughs) Any bat-winged or owl-winged individual that may have been hovering over Paris at that moment (laughs) would view a bleak spectacle, and Nemo is the owl, and I am the bat. (laughs) 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 so this is our second so we've had marius's like view of the city in distress Mm. i guess the outer ring if if, (laughs) i think i did just i'm gonna do the same bad metaphor i couldn't keep a hold of as i did last time so we're looking at a target Mm -hmm. the bullseye is the center and Mm -hmm. that is where I think Conjolas and that barricade is like, you know, the, the center mm-hmm. of where 
insurrection and the barricades is happening. And then there's all those outer rings. So, on those outerest rings, furthest from the bullseye, that's those are the outer rings of Paris where things are kind of going normal. And the further each ring closer into the bullseye, it's getting more bleak, more quiet, more tense, and darker. Mm-hmm. Now, birds on the ground, that Stevie and El Nemo are seeing the same thing from the air. But because it's dark now, <laughs> those outer rings, there's little pinpricks of light, like a fair bit. And as you get closer into the center bullseye, it's just like darker and darker. Because in those center ones, you don't even want to have like a candle on in your house because mm. your window will get shot out if they can see that there's people in there. They definitely being the army. Because we know we don't allow that shit in Enjolas' insurrection. Yeah, I think that that just about, that that summarizes what he was saying. Mm -hmm. Oh, but also, well, maybe not the amount of, like, bewilderment and terror that there are in the streets. (laughs) (laughs) It's so dark at the center because of that very tense atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Oh, and also from our winged view above in the dark. <laughs> there, there would be tiny glimpses of silver light, and this is from all of the weapons that the, especially the guards, the royal guards, mm. what, just the, the army, the thousands of pounds, like ridiculous thousands of people that they've called like in, ten thousand, yeah, 10, 000, something, something like ridiculous that, yeah. like that, and because like they, there's gonna be bigger pockets of them, like that's how you can see these big groups. There's just so many of them. Mm. And then you can also see these tiny little glimmers of light coming and going in these tiny ruins, and those are the barricades. Mm. So that's what we're seeing, and this darkness is terrifying to penetrate and appalling to be in. Everyone, like, even the people in the army, no one is enjoying this vibe. Like the, everyone there on both sides know it's like I'm either here to kill or be killed. Mm. Like there, there's so much uncertainty. Everyone's just equally f- well. Yeah, I guess they they are equally full of fury and desperation and determination. But you're like one determined to fix their way of life. I guess you would just mm. you would also be full of desperation to live, even if you've like been paid to be here. But mm. The feeling behind it is kind of different. Yeah. And by the next day, this all has to be over. Triumph must lie either here or there. The insurrection must be a revolution or a skirmish. So Mm. the government wants it to just be a skirmish so they can be like, this happened and we put it down very quickly. It was just like one little thing. Mm. Whereas you want it to, to, for it to be a revolution, it has to be bigger and it has to last Mm. and change to come of it. So that's why there's just, like, a lot of bad vibes in the neighborhood, because this is where it's all going to go down. Mm. I was trying to remember if it was in the Lost recording or um, a previous episode. I think it was in the Lost recording that that I was reading the the seventh book of The Expanse, right? Mm. And that there was a really good quote, which... (laughs) was something like it's only ever remembered as an insurrection if it failed if it was successful it would be called a regime change Mm. and that i was like hugo would have loved to have written that like (laughs) and i feel like that is kind of what he's also getting at here in that like if it ends in like 
a couple of hours and it's not like a big thing, then then it's like, you know, a scuffed rebellion kind of thing. But if it can be big enough to be an insurrection, then it actually, the change it makes is kind of the legacy of it being remembered. Like if it's just a pa happened seconds, but it won't register in history mm. uh, at the same way as something that can be big and more sustained will be. Yeah, it'd be like when in English history it became the Tudor period because the Tudors <laughs> won one big battle and then yeah. you get the time period named after you instead of it being like, I put down this fucking duke of that town. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. The Expanse can say in with one line what Victor Hugo will say in 20,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're at the brink. Marius has reached the area. The players are all... <laughs> Actually, they're not even all in one area because we don't have Jean Valjean yet. But, okay, mm. we're almost all in the same zone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everything is even quieter and darker and more still here in Les Halles than mm. it has been elsewhere. But there's this red glow. So it's not... <laughs> I remember being this angry last time. That's so it's not as dark, is it, Hugo? Like, you can't say it's as dark as the pitch black of the place where Marius couldn't see a single thing and had to reach out with his hands and touch something and then find out it was a cemetery, graveyard, barricade or whatever, and then be like, and there was a torch here. Like, that's not the same level of darkness then, is it? That's Minecraft facts. (laughs) It's to make the red glow outlining... The dark background of the houses seem even spookier because I just told you how dark it is. But yeah, suddenly he's able to see the background of the tall houses around him, which he couldn't do before. Then it is not as dark. So it's not as dark then, is it? And this red glow is the torch burning on the Corinth barricade. So we know the boys set up. There's like one candle. And they blocked it off on three sides, so of course they could, like, stage direct the light to bounce off the red flag hanging over them to give this, like, it's atmospheric. <laughs> and the insert, and also, I had made fun of how Angeles would be, like, the worst middle manager, because he was like, I'm gonna, you guys, you're gonna be lookouts, and I'm gonna go stand over those lookouts and make sure they're doing their jobs. But the second he's not... He's, like, dealing with the fact he just had to put down a man. He's not looking over his lookouts, and they aren't doing their job. <laughs> like, they don't, they can't see Marius. Uh, so he actually knew that the second he's not stood over everyone, old men get shot and silly boys <laughs> hang around. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's that really frustrating thing of like when you're doing a group project and it's like, I don't want to be the person who's really overbearing. And then you look over and it's like, oh my God, your children. <laughs> you like, can you not spell your name? <laughs> he, Angelus was like, is it going through it here? Yeah. Marius, he only has one more step to take and then he would be a part of all of this. Like, mm-hmm. that's all he's got to do. Then the poor young man... Metaphorically as well. <laughs> he has to, like, get out of his brain. Well, first, he's got to go in his brain. <laughs> oh, the, good. The poor young man sat on a curb post, folded his arms, and thought about his father. Mm-hmm. He's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
he Colonel Pomacy, he was pretty heroic. He was such a proud soldier. He'd been all over the place on behalf of France on the frontier under the Republic. Mm-hmm. And like he'd prematurely aged a lot because I guess hmm, it was probably quite stressful for my dad. But like he had done everything for France and he'd done nothing against her. Mm-hmm. So it was like uh huh uh huh okay. So Marius says to himself. My day has come now, and after his father, he too was going to prove brave, intrepid, bold. He's going to rush towards the bullets. Like, this is his time to, like, now that he venerates his father so much, he's like, right, cool, excellent, I can do that, Mm -hmm. and I'll make him proud. He's going to wage war and fight on the battlefield. But then he's like, oh, hmm, this war he was about to wage was a civil war. So... (laughs) That makes him shudder, because he's like, oh, my father's sword that my grandfather sold so I couldn't even inherit it. Mm. That sword has never been turned on France itself. Imagine if Mm. I was holding that sword when I fight against France. Mm -hmm. That blade, like, it wouldn't even let him do that. It would surely burn his hands and start to blaze before him like the sword of an angel. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I'm glad that sword's not here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, like, is this what my dad would want? Me? To wage war on France when he cared so much for France? So he starts to weep. And indeed it was dreadful. What was he to do? Live with Count Cosette? That he could not do. And this is where we really blew up for the second time. (laughs) Now that she'd left, and had he not given her his word of honour that he would die, she'd left knowing that. So... Yeah, yeah, you, Marius, who live in the 19th century, you know that women are free to do whatever the fuck they want, so... Women of, like, what, 14 years old? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, she's fucking, like, 15. Yeah, she'll just come and live with you, destitute, in sin, because you can't actually get married to her. She, she's happy for Marius to die, really, when you think about it, because she knew that he would, if she left, and she did that, so... Yeah, yeah, she did that. Obviously, she did not love him anymore. She didn't even yeah, send a letter. Obviously. Even though she knows his address. Fucking Asterix, it's not his address, it's Kofarak's address. <laughs> oh my god. You know what? These two would, oh, uh, these two. Marius would very much work on TikTok. Yes. This is, oh my god. He'd be fucking like, like he'd be having one of those YouTuber breakdowns. Live, I guess TikToker, <laughs> live TikToker breakdowns. And if anyone was like, bro, that's fucking toxic behavior that you told yeah. a girl you'd fucking go die if, <laughs> if she couldn't change her circumstances so she could be with you, even though she said that that's all she wanted and in fact was like, why don't you come with me? <laughs> that like have, 101, red flag, bad, bad, bad. He'd have to start the like, the apology video halfway through the breakdown video, like, <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd also like, I bet he'd like dox Kufarek's house as well. Absolutely, she didn't even <laughs> send a letter to my address, even though she knows it's Six Riverside Avenue <laughs> on the boulevard <laughs> above the little shop. <laughs> and you just have to ask the porter to get into Kufarek's house and that you're his friend from the ABC, and then. <laughs> And could have left it under my pillow on the mattress he lets me have on the first floor. 
Uh, and we're supposed to be doing the rebellion or something tomorrow and Mario's like uh, and 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 uh, doesn't want uh, anyone to tell the cops or anything so like if you're a cop then like don't tell anyone but I just <laughs> have to get enough <laughs> uh, it plays out way too well <laughs> Nemo if we were I don't even know if we would be uni students doing this if we were what would you be doing this in theatre or media what what secondary school class drama club would we be mm. recording this series on our own phones oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, the cast or if we did like if we were 15 right now my god oh. we'd already be in the midst oh uh, we'd be in this uh, we'd have a web series on tiktok <laughs> we'd have a web series <laughs> Um, at least we could be cringe old people with a podcast. <laughs> it's true. Well, at least we're making all of you listen to this in podcast form. <laughs> you don't have to see our faces as we do it. We don't cosplay at the same time, so it's fine. So, what's what what's the use? But then, for goodness sake, to have come this far and to go back now. <laughs> to be literally, to have come and taken a look at the barricade and then turn tail saying, actually, I'm going to call it a day. I've had a look and that's enough. Uh, this is a civil war. I'm off, actually. To desert the friends who are expecting them. <laughs> yeah, they're really expecting you, Marius. <laughs> who perhaps had need of him. Oh, yeah, they need you. <laughs> Marius, you're my only hope. <laughs> to give his cowardice the excuse of patriotism, his father's ghost actually would whip his hide with the flat of his sword and say, get over it, coward. So he's very tormented, hangs his head, then raises his head again. He's like, oh, a wonderful mental adjustment has just taken place. Being close to death enables you to see clearly just the way that Victor Hugo said that being so stupid in love makes you see clearer than anything else. It seems no Uh matter what state Marius is in, he just sees so clearly. Yeah, Uh uh-huh, clearly. That's exactly what I was thinking about his mental state. Mm -hmm. He's like... Why would my dad be angry? And this is where it gets into the, like, this is Marius speaking to himself. So he's going through these mental gymnastics. But you're like, is this Victor Hugo's hot take? Does Victor Hugo agree? Is this... Uh-huh. what? Because there's some good points coming up. So it makes it hard to believe they're Marius's. <laughs> that he's like, are there not cases where insurrection attains the dignity of duty? Like, it, it, France would believe, like, yes, this is me fighting france but i'm fighting france Mm. for france Mm. so france bleeds but freedom smiles and seeing freedom Mm. smile france forgets her wounds so like if we can do something good for france it's not bad that this is the way we have to do it Mm. and he he marius forward slash victor hugo thinks about what a civil war really is what does it mean Mm. is there such a thing as foreign wars is not a war between men War between brothers. Mm. There's no such thing as foreign or civil war. There's just unjust war and just war. So yeah. he's kind of saying like, oh, we think it's justified to, you know, say you start a war with Spain next door. Mm. But why is that any better than us having this civil war just because we're saying, well, they're foreigners, so that's fine. When mm. the real foreigner, foreigner is the monarchy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Good. Yeah, that's when you're like, yeah, <laughs> go on. Yeah, without sacred justice, what right does one 
form of war despise the other. So, yeah, like, why would... Why is one okay and one's not? Mm. Monarchy is the foreigner. Oppression is the foreigner. Divine right is the foreigner. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not about geography. It's about, like, what you are fighting for. Yeah! Oh, and then he's like, to drive out the tyrant or to drive out the English is, in both cases, yeah. to retake okay. your own territory. And you're like, yeah, fucking get us! <laughs> <laughs> I I was thinking earlier, and I had actually forgotten that this happened because when um, Marius is thinking about his father and being like, "Oh, my father, um, he would hate me because uh, this is a civil war and stuff," and I was like, "Oh, it's kind of weird that Hugo is like, I guess it's not weird." Like I was trying to like, like my brain was doing the thing where I was like, it, "I guess it's not weird that Hugo supports the fact that his father, like Marius's dad, was like out fighting wars and like, I can't remember where." Oh. Right, Waterloo. So yeah, it's killing the English, so that's fine. But um, you know that what is it when it's not colonial? Like that expansionism, mm. that European thing of like we will. What is the word when it's not colonialism? Is it still mm. not when we want to colonize, even when it's each other in Europe? Mm. Just want to take over. Sure. Just want to be like that. But of France could be mine. Yeah, whatever that's called, the like border expansion mm. kind of thing through war and stuff. Like I was kind of. Yeah, thinking about that and being like, is that not all the same thing? <laughs> like, is that not all the bad stuff? The monarchs who are blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he it's Hugo, so he brings it back. So, well, you know, it's 50-50 sometimes, but this time he, he brought it back and you're like, yes, okay, good. Like, the things Marius are thinking are the things that you're supposed to support. <laughs> and the support is that it's always the soldiers who die and... It's not like we're getting any of the land or mm. what is nationalism actually going to get you at the end of the day and all of those kind of fun thoughts. Yeah, is it not better to fight for betterment of our own people in like the land we already have mm. instead of being like, but what if we had more and kept running it badly? Mm. Oh, well, it's a good thing that the British government doesn't <laughs> think like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like... It's easy for a crowd to be obedient. It's the sedentary of apathy when you're a mess. So men need to be stirred sometimes to sort of... Mm -hmm. They need to be a little thunderstruck by their own salvation. So sometimes something needs to happen that sparks people to be like, wait a fucking second. (laughs) So he's like, you know, sometimes these kind of things, they need to happen. Mm. Down with the tyrant. um, No compromises. All violation against man must be curbed. So mm. there is divine right in Louis or sixteen. Mm. There is because a Bourbon in Louis Philippe both represent to some degree a seizure of rights. So both need to be opposed, and this is essential. Mm. When the master falls in France, he falls everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so some wars are needed to build peace, is what he sort of comes to. Mm. And all this and more <laughs> is Marius' well, is Mary, <laughs> state of mind. Yes, Marius in the biggest scare quotes you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, Marius' wig. So this train of thought left him despondent, but resolute. Still hesitant and quaking, but he, his eyes are roaming the inside of the barricade and we think he's going to make his choice. Mm-hmm. And it's quite a still quite a 
chilling scene, I guess, for him to make it even spookier because all from where he is, he can just see what looks like a spectre overlooking the barricade. And it's the porter mm. who'd been killed. And his body, I guess, has still been left hanging out of the window. Mm. And there's nothing more fearsome in this very weak light than this ghastly, still astonished face staring mm. with its gaping mouth, bent over the street in an attitude of curiosity as if the dead man was observing those about to die. Mm. And that's where we're left. Fun. The spectre haunting over us into the new year. Mm. Oh god, it really did get us. Made us re-record it. Made us take longer with the same amount of chapters. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Marius. He <laughs> he does go through the mental gymnastics and I'm glad he's like, no, I should like probably stay. Mm-hmm. So maybe is this the first time he's ever thought about like, oh, maybe I should do this for like a good reason. Um, I think so. That's, I guess, character but, growth. <laughs> I guess. He... But, like, you know what we were saying earlier of, like, there was a really... Uh, I guess he had to wander through the dark and then be really depressed for, like, a chapter and want to die before coming here. But did he have to? Like, I don't know. He's Maybe he did. He's been given many opportunities for us to give him some more of the benefit of the doubt and he's uh, blundered through all of them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because now it's kind of like, oh, like, his. I guess, like, Hugo had to do this, like, mini little essay at the end here to be like, okay, he actually had some thoughts and now he morally and ethically supports the barricades. Yeah, but, instead of using it to finish himself off. Yeah, but, like, he wouldn't have had to do that. Well, he could have had that essay without... Uh, the previous chapter where he was like and I'm gonna kill myself because my girlfriend doesn't love me anymore yeah it makes it harder to swallow when he's just been like well she probably like actually she's happy that she knows that I'm gonna come die because if she wasn't she would have sent me a letter yeah so we're not coming at him ever with much um good faith (laughs) yeah which is what makes Um, it feel more like this is Victor Hugo (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this boy's yeah. never had a good thought. <laughs> yeah. I was like also thinking like how far back would you have to go in order to ensure that that didn't happen though because like he couldn't just like with the amount that he's stalked Cosette he couldn't just like see that she's gone and then be like well I guess I'll go to the barricades. Like he had to want to kill himself after that. So you'd have to go all the way back to like the fact that he stalked Cosette <laughs> and that's the only thing he's been doing for the last year or ever. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't have time to also be caring about other things. Yeah, in that light, like, this little essay of him being like, okay, I guess I'll have a thought. Actually, you know what? Morally, I'll join the barricades. Feels like it it should have been longer. (laughs) Yeah, or that he's just justifying to himself in that sort of Christian way where, like, there's the sort of belief that if you take your own life, you can't Mm. get into heaven. He's like... Mm. Re oh my god, what what would you call it in a marketing standpoint? Oh my god, my brain. Oh, um not recontextualizing, but like that. That word there's a word. Like let's flip the script on this story and Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's like because he came in here like hot and heavy, right? Like, this is why I'm here. Mm. And then at the last minute it's like, it is morally just for me to be here. Ignore the thoughts mm. I was just having. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I this can morally isn't... go to heaven as a good Christian boy yeah. <laughs> and a good French boy who cares about his country. Yeah. And I will meet my father at the the gate. Mm. Right. They're like, that's pretty like nice for you, I guess, Marius. You've somehow managed to spin that. <laughs> but again, we would never say anything about anyone. It's just because it's Marius. No. Yeah, it's a, just because it's Marius. A fake character. Who is also having these red flaggy, like, shitty boyfriend tactic. Mm. My girlfriend left me. She doesn't love me, so I'm going to kill myself. God. And so in our, um, the same social media AU, Cosette doesn't see this, like, breakdown post where he's, and he's accusing her of this because when mm. Father Jean Valjean is ushering, trying to usher her out, out the country, does I guess I'll find out if she actually makes it out the country. I feel like no. <laughs> he takes her phone away <laughs> for her yeah. safety because he just doesn't want her to get caught up in it and because we know that the like the government are like tracking phones to be like, oh, you're in this area, so you must have been part of the of all of the protests and stuff, so you're going to get in trouble. Mm. So he's like, for that reason, I need you to, even if I don't take the phone off you, like, can you have it off? Just for your own safety. Mm. So she doesn't see any of the shit go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The after credits is her... Like, they go through all of the other scenes that are going to happen in the book. I guess we'll write them as we go. Or we'll forget about the AU. But it's the, like, you know, they've just had their big, um... Our beautiful wedding day YouTube video TikTok extravaganza. <laughs> and then credits are rolling... And then she remembers to turn her old phone on, her old profile, because she's oh been, she's got a new profile, their, their like couple profile that they make together. Because I feel like mm. a lot of people, a lot of social media couples do that. She she reactivates the yeah. old one, sees it. She's got like thousands of mentions, and it's like pretty split between people being like, "Girl, oh my god, get away," and ones where they are like, "Oh my god, you're a fucking bitch, blah blah blah, you've done this to this man." And it's like <gasps> the credits are rolling, and the music is still the like after credits rom com, like dee 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 dee, and she's seeing all of this, and then we don't see her face react. It just ends. <laughs> yeah. 2024, we're back with pictures. We're back in the pitching room. What's that one song that they do use when, you know, when the like supernatural Trump Putin death thing happened and then they use that music to do all of the like. Oh, I know uh, the one, but I can't, I can't think about it again. It's that music that is playing over the mm-hmm. top of it. It's like the boom, boom. It like starts really slow and then like Isn't it? becomes did really it? frantic. Did it, did it. Any final thoughts on any of the very like it's been actually some very heavy topics, but I feel like you wouldn't know that from this energy. Maybe we'll bring normal energy next time when we're not having to re-record this this particular yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. I- I'm glad that we kept it um, fun and flirty so that I can like actually want to edit it as well. Angeles could have been. Is it bad that I'm like, wow, that made him cooler? <laughs> he was willing to kill for his convictions mm. you know he's not some like wet rat dog pussy pushover <laughs> boy like 
he he knows what he's about and even if you don't like agree with him or whatever like you know he's a fictional character so but he he was willing to stand there and be like hey listen this means that i'm probably not gonna get into heaven but it's not about me i'm killing this dude because i cannot let this cause fail Mm. and it is my duty to do that like oh yeah (laughs) i know we were just talking about marius like whether or not he can or cannot get into heaven these are the justifications he's making at heaven's gates to be allowed in but something Mm. about you being like i'm saying i'm not gonna get into heaven was so fucking like snatched my wig and like shook it through me it was so funny (laughs) (laughs) i was just like (laughs) that's what he says as part of when he's having to tiktok about this Uh, I'm not getting into heaven (laughs) it's not about me (laughs) it it is also the like having I didn't think about this last time but I guess those chapters aren't right next to each other because there's a middle chapter of Marius wandering the streets sandwiched Mm. in there but we get on Jolas his convictions are just intensely strong Mm. and then we get Marius like (laughs) dripping around like, well, I don't know, but I'm blaming Cosette for it. Part of me is like, I guess that's the point. Yeah. Like, more people are like Marius than they are like Andras. But still, I can be mad about it. Yeah, don't, I don't even know if it's, is it, it's not gaslight. What? No, it's just being a piece of shit to Cosette, what Marius is doing. Putting his mm. life in her hands. Mm-hmm. Well, just don't do that while you're wondering about whether or not you should join your boys on the barricade. Yeah. And on that sopping wet <laughs> mess of a... Yeah. Un- un- unfortunately, we, we're... Yeah. Andralas plus 10 points. Marius minus 10 points. Only one will survive. <laughs> Only one will survive. Oh... <laughs> uh... It's such a, like, take Marius, let anyone else, let anyone else live. Anyway, thanks for listening (laughs) to this hopefully coherent. I don't think that we, yeah, I think it was good. So, yeah. We had fun and that's what matters. This episode was produced by me, Nemo Martin, and Julie App. It was Captain's Collections podcast. Our audio designer is Jade, who you can find on her website, jdwasabi.com, or on her bandcamp, jdwasabi.bandcamp.com. If you have any comments, questions, or quibbles, not about this episode, because it was a perfect episode, obviously, <laughs> but about anything else we do, you can send us an email, lamespodcast, L-E-S-M-I-S, podcast at gmail.com, or to our Twitter, at lamespodcast, or to our Tumblr, at Bread of Barricades. If you like this podcast, you can give us a review or five stars everywhere. And <laughs> and also in the show notes are Patreon and Kofi. And you can give us money for our amazing owl and bat impressions. <laughs> and that's everything. I looked at the recording time and yep. we've been recording for one hour and forty and I'm like already hating myself and <laughs> editing. Well, thank you for listening to this episode. The end. The end. <laughs> that's the that's the view. Hello? You 
When you listen back to this, when you have to edit this later, Nemo, you'll hear how quickly, if I don't hear any sounds from you, I like very quickly, I'm like, Nemo's not there, they're not validating the shit I'm saying. 